SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Warning. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like, especially when it comes to your love of sports, entertainment, and even your own morning culinary experiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. The Cowgirls at 14-1 to 1 still are not in a bad spot. They really aren't. They have by far the easiest schedule. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, on this Wednesday, December 9th morning. Sitting in for the next two glorious hours, taking your phone calls as we always do, 844, well, generally on Mondays we don't, but other days we always do, 844-843-6879, that's toll free, 844-843-6879, you want to follow me on Twitter, send the tweet, it is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-D-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. You want to email me, go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact, Scott Icon and fire away. Emails, tweets, phone calls, little YouTube chat as well, perhaps on this, yeah, again, Wednesday, December 9th edition of the Bagels and Bad Beat Show. Ravens fly away, put a fork into cowgirls, basically. Now, this just doesn't make sense. This hurts. Tale of two cities. How desperate are MLB teams for pitching? Uh, what's the book on stopping Denver? The sun apparently shines in a strange way in the south. And we'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets right here again on a Wednesday, December 9th edition, a day in which we're going to get the Christmas tree in the Wetzel household. Oh, big day. We have a few traditions in our household, and one of them is a gathering for rare, you know, one of the few, 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 few times as a family, uh, now that we've been a family here for 20-plus years, uh, that we all get together and actually go out and do a little Christmas tree shopping. So today's the big day. We'll put the tree up. And, of course, it'll sit there for probably three, four days before it actually gets decorated under the guise of, well, we have to let the tree fall, you know, let the uh, because the trees are outside, obviously. So you should generally let it sit a day for the branches to fall down. But in our in our household, that one day turns into like uh, five or six days. So um, but big Christmas tree shopping uh, today in our household. This after a a big uh, Tuesday night football game last night in which Baltimore beat Dallas 34-17. We'll get into that. We got the college football latest uh, rankings are out. No real surprises, but college football's at it again. Uh, I tell you, what a farce college football is. I mean, it is. there is no more corrupt organization slash sports events slash sports league slash anything in our country than college football. I mean, it is just a complete joke, and it showed its ugly colors again today. Or yesterday, uh, college basketball. Yet yeah, it's some great games last night. I tell you what, you know, I'm, I'm sure college foot, uh, basketball is not thrilled about having a, an NFL game last night because you know you got Kansas and Creighton, uh, you got Illinois and Duke, uh, you got North Carolina playing last night uh, in a big time game as well. I mean, yeah, you had a number of different games, and you had a Division two team actually knock off a Division one team for the first time in uh, basically 20 years. So uh, a couple things that we could get to for sure. Uh, on this two uh, on this Wednesday, uh, excuse me, December 9th. 
All right, here we go. Let us start the program off as we welcome in uh, our radio audience. So here's truly Scott Wetzel sitting in six minutes past the hour, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Poll question is also up. Oh, by the way, uh, with Dallas losing last night, you know, why don't we just recap it first up? Uh, we'll start with yesterday's poll question. We always like to uh, recap that best chance of happening is we posted yesterday and uh, Harbaugh remaining at Michigan, leading the way with 40 percent of the vote. Uh, Browns winning the AFC North, getting uh, nearly 29% of the vote. Jets winning a game, 24%. And uh, Dallas winning the NFC East at a mere 7% of the vote. So that said, our poll question is up for today. And that is uh, which basically organization is is the worst in in, uh, in the NFL? With, with Dallas losing last night, you got the Dallas Cowgirls. You got the New York Jets, who are winless, obviously. You got Jacksonville. And then you got the proverbial other if you think there's an organization in the NFL. It doesn't necessarily have to go by record-wise because uh, that would be, you know, obviously the Jets who are winless. But, you know, it could just be like Dallas with three wins, but just, you know, quarterback that they don't really know what's going on. Are they going to re-sign Dak or aren't they? You know, is the head coach a one-and-dunner? You know, uh, what are they going to do with Zeke Elliott? They got all this money locked into these players who are underperforming. So uh, you got your three teams up there, Dallas, Jets, and Jags, and then again, if you think it's another, then go ahead, throw that out in there, and feel free to tweet me and let me know what that other team is. But go to Opposite Picks, get your uh, tweet in, and get your vote in, and we'll update that uh, a couple of times before we are through today. All right, let's start with the NFL last night. As uh, Baltimore did win, you know, you got the best and the worst of the Baltimore Ravens. You, you really did. Let me start with the best, because I'm a positive guy, right? Uh, you got Lamar Jackson, you know, running all over the place, you know, 13 carries for 94 yards, over seven yards a pop. They couldn't stop him. You know, Lamar left, Lamar right. Um, you know, he was he was basically unstoppable. He actually threw for 107 yards, which for him is, is you know, it's not the greatest in the world, but at least it's a little something, 12 of 17. But ultimately, it was Lamar doing the stuff on the ground. Ran for a touchdown, ran for a 30-plus yarder, uh, you know, in, in the first half when uh, the Ravens were kind of, you know, putting their stamp on this football game. And he showed why he's basically unstoppable and how that offense can be at times unstoppable. Now, this Dallas defense stinks. No, 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 no two ways about it. But, you know, when Lamar's running like he was yesterday, it's a difficult uh, offense to stop. It really is. That's the best. We'll get to the worst of the Ravens coming up next right here. Thank you. On this Wednesday morning, December 9th. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Jackson keeps, gets it, and goodbye. Touchdown, Lamar Jackson, right up the gut. And welcome back to number eight. 37 yards on fourth and two. Leighton Vander Esch, he gives up a huge gap. Nobody fills the hole that Lamar Jackson exploits. You see it right there. He gets caught with his eyes in the backfield and just opens up this lane. Baltimore. Fox Sports, courtesy of the NFL Channel, which uh, airs the Thursday night games slash Tuesday night games, all these special games. Uh, with the call there last night, as Lamar Jackson does scamper 30-plus yards for the touchdown, uh, helping uh, the Ravens get a much, 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 much needed win. 
as they knock off Dallas last night, 34-17. They improved to 7-5. Dallas falls to 3-9, and 1-5 and, uh, on the road. And again, believe it or not, Dallas is really not out of this thing. I'll get to that in a second. First up, though, let's follow up on what we were saying before we went to break. Scott Wetzel said again on this uh, Wednesday morning, you're taking right up till uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time. And, and that is, you know, you got the best and the worst of the Baltimore Ravens. You, you did. And, and you got the best and the worst, I suppose, of Lamar Jackson. Again, you got the best in that Lamar, you know, ran for 94 yards, including that touchdown run from 37 yards out, only 13 carries. It was basically, you know, he had the most carries on the team. Dobbins had 11, but uh, Gus Edwards had seven. Uh, Ingram, six, but your quarterback led your team in rushing as far as carries are concerned. Gus Edwards had seven carries for 101 yards. It's not like they didn't have other options. You know, they, they had other guys that were actually doing well running the football. Dobbins averaged over six yards a pop. You know, Edwards averaged over 14 yards a pop. Ingram averaged nearly five yards. So, it's again, it's not even like Baltimore's offense doesn't show it's capable of doing other things. So you got the best of Lamar Jackson. But unfortunately, with this Ravens team, the best of Lamar Jackson is also, in my eyes, the worst of Lamar Jackson. I just, you know, it's it's a stagnant offense. I, I don't think you have to be a genius to stop this Baltimore Ravens offense. You know what they're doing. They can't, they don't throw the football. I'm not even going to say they can't, but they don't throw the football down the field. You know, 12 attempts, uh, 12 completions, rather, for 107 yards. They only threw the football 17 times, and this was, forget about what the score says, a 17-point Baltimore win. This was a close game. It was 7-3 Baltimore after one, 17-10 Baltimore at the the half. Uh, It was a two-score game heading into the fourth quarter. You know, they uh, matriculated, if you will, thank you, Hank Stram, the score, but it was a progressive. It was a competitive game for three and a half quarters, so there's no reason, point being, for Baltimore to just sit on the ball. They don't throw the ball down the field. They, They just don't. You're going to get a couple of genius defensive coordinators that are going to put the rover backs on Lamar Jackson and just say, wherever this guy goes, you go. I don't care where he is, what he doing, what he running, throwing, standing there by himself, whatever. It's your responsibility. It's 11 on 10. It really is. You know, the 11th guy on offense is the quarterback. So there should be one guy that can be designated, even two. You know what, Joe Schmo, you're going to be on the left side. Joe Jr., you're going to be on the right side. You're responsible for maintaining gap coverage, if you will. We'll throw a little jargon at you, right? So if he starts scrambling like Baltimore does, Lamar Jackson, right? You know what, Joe Schmo, you're going to be there to stop him. Uh, And you know what, if they go, well, Lamar Jackson left, you know what, Joe Schmo Jr., you're going to be on the left side to stop him. That's all it takes. That, that's all it is. It's just Lamar Jackson going to his right and Lamar Jackson going to his left. It's a boring, stagnant offense that really should not be able to beat a halfway decent defensive football team. But Dallas is not that. Dallas is the train wreck that it is. So he runs for basically 100 yards last night and, and propels them to a victory. Whereas you come out of that thing saying, all right, fine, you won. Oh, what is this, high school football? What was this, Topeka High? What did you prove? Okay, your your quarterback, who's going to get killed eventually, it's only a matter of time. We've seen it up and down the NFL. You know, the shelf life of a scrambling quarterback is so short. It's only a matter We've said it. You know, everyone has said it a thousand times. It's only a matter of time before he's going to get popped one time. He's going to blow out his knee, and that's going to be the end of Lamar Jackson because he hasn't shown he can throw the football down the field. And his Baltimore offense. Whether it's with Jackson or whether it was RG3 the other day, and maybe that's just how the offense runs because of those two guys, but they have not shown they can throw the ball down the field. And they got 
Hell, the number one guy wide receiver they took, uh, you know, out of the draft, Marquise Brown, a couple of years ago. They don't even use him. Don't even use him. So it, it's a it is a frustrating to me, boring team to watch. It's like watching high school college football. I don't like watching Raven games, and I think they easily can be stopped. And I think there's a reason why they fail every single year. Now it's only been a couple, to be fair. I'm not going to throw them in a category of the old, uh, you know, San Diego Chargers or old Buffalo Bills. But, you know, I think there is a reason that they fail in the postseason and have failed with Lamar. I, I don't I don't think it's coincidence. I, I don't. I, I think it's they face the better teams, the better defenses. And, you know, Tennessee's defense was good last year. Uh, Colts defense uh, two years ago was was very good. And it doesn't take a whole lot to stop this team. So, again, you'll win the games. You know, you'll beat the Dallas Cowgirls. And you can run Lamar right and run Lamar left, and he'll look like he's phenomenal and it's unstoppable and it's great. But in reality, they really aren't. They, you know, this year aside, you know, they got five losses. I know because of some injuries and different things, COVID stuff. Whereas last year they were terrific. But I, I think as the as the leagues progress, the seasons progress in the NFL, these pure absolute scrambling quarterbacks, not guys like Mahomes that can run around the pocket and can scramble whenever they need to. There is a difference. There's a fine line, but there is a line between having a quarterback that can scramble because he needs to, i.e. Mahomes, or a quarterback that scrambles because he wants to, i.e. Lamar Jackson, i.e. even I'll, I'll throw Baker Mayfield in there. He's got to learn to really realize he's a thrower, not a runner. Uh, when he does, maybe the Browns will do well, or he realizes his limitations and he just can't throw the football out of the pocket. But Lamar is not shown to be willing to do that. I won't again. I won't even say can't do it. I won't go that far. But he hasn't shown his willingness. The Baltimore Ravens offense has not shown its willingness to stand back and just throw the football and be a real offense in the NFL. And to me, again, until they do that, they're not going to win. They just aren't going to win. As far as Dallas is concerned, what a trade! I'll give you some of the numbers. I, I gave you Lamar's. He threw for 107, two touchdowns, uh, one interception, wasn't sacked. Ran for 94 yards. Edwards ran for a buck one. Dobbins, 71. Ingram, 28. Uh, Marquise Brown had five receptions. Uh, Patrick Ricard had two. Anyone else had one or none. Uh, over on Dallas' side, Dalton, 31 of 48 for 285. Two touchdowns, one interception. Sack one time. Zeke ran for a 77 yards. Boy, his over-under prop was um, 58, 56 or 58. I know he has struggled this year. I, I I get that. But, man, when I saw that number, I, I said, you're telling me after having this much time off, you know, losing their last game, you know, it's going to be a cold, windy day in Baltimore on a Tuesday night. You're telling me that they're not going to force feed him the football, that he's not going to get at least 60 yards? Really? I mean, I, I thought that was just an absolute gift. I, I I told my guys, I said, you know what? Forget about trying to pick who's going to win, lose, cover, over, under, whatever the case may be. Uh, if, if Dak Prescott can't get, you know, basically 60 yards, less than that, depending on what number you got, in a football game in which Dallas is kind of faced with the old win now or else. I know he only ran for 32 against Washington, you know, last Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, but that, that was different. I mean, I, I can't help but think, that they were going to kind of rally the troops. They had a week and a half plus off here. And uh, lo and behold, he, he does match the number. Now, it doesn't fly past it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it, this is not the old Zeke. That's for darn sure. Um, he did struggle. But, he you know, he had it basically by halftime. And then they stopped giving him the football. 
16 carries uh, for his uh, 77 yards. Powered at 22, Mari Cooper 10. And uh, reception-wise, uh, Gallup had 7 for 86 in a TD. CeeDee Lamb 6 uh, for 46. And uh, Dalton Schultz with 4 for uh, 44. So there are your numbers. Uh, we'll get into some of the Dallas Cowboys stuff. Now, that is next. Again, they're not out of it, believe it or not. College football rankings came out as well. We'll update all that stuff. All next right here on a uh, Vegas of Bad Beats, Wednesday, December 9th edition. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I don't know. I just don't know where this organization, you know, where they go, there, there's just so many things that have to be addressed this offseason. Well, I tell you, the follow-up question to that, as that was Troy Aikman last night on the uh, on the broadcast uh, towards the tail end of the game. You know, the obvious follow-up question, Troy, is. What do they do with Dak Prescott? Would you give him the money? Would you give him $40 million? That's the question. We could all sit there and say, whether you're a Troy Aikman or you're Joe Schmo, we could all say, well, what direction are the Cowgirls going to go? Who knows? They have some issues for sure. But ultimately, it starts with the quarterback. Do you move on from Dak or don't you? That's the question. He was at the game last night, you know, uh, just hanging around the guys. So he clearly is not, you know, letting this team just go away and, and let him do his rehab and be done with the team. He still wants to be part of it. So that's a good sign, I suppose. But I don't know. I don't know how the Cowboy fan, I think it's a mixed thing with, with Dak. I don't particularly want to give him $40 million. I don't want to particularly give any quarterback. I don't care if you're Pat Mahomes or you're Andy Dalton. I don't want to give anybody $40 million when I have a salary cap. That's right around 175 million, 200 million, depending on what it'll end up being. I mean, I just don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and I don't think he's that good. I think he's a, a nice quarterback. I, I think he's being helped out by the Cowboys' offense, looking so bad. I expected a little bit more out of Andy Dalton. I must admit that that offensive line is atrocious. I mean, they can't run the football at all. Hence that low line for Zeke. Uh, you know, with the over/under and, and Pollard as well. So they have some, uh, you know, some issues on the O-line, some injury issues for sure. But, you know, it all starts. That, that's really should where the conversation should start and end. You want to replace Dak. You want to move on from him. You're in a position to probably draft. You know, I, I would think at this point, you know, you're looking at a top five pick. You know, if, if, if Dallas continues to lose. Now, again, they're not out of it. And I'm going to I'll run it down here in a second. But for all intents and purposes, they are. They really do stink at this point. They really should be considering on losing to get a higher draft choice because they're looking at a top five pick. So they have enough where if they wanted to, you know, if they love Fields and Jacksonville, you know, if it ends up being Jacksonville number two, didn't, you know, Dallas would have enough to make a trade that I think would entice Jacksonville or the Jets. If the Jets are sold on Sam Darnold, you know, they want to trade out of the number one or number two spot, whichever one they get. Dallas with a top five pick, they can move on from Dak, but that's where you know it, it should have led, not necessarily just throwing it out there last night. A uh, couple things, you know, there really wasn't necessarily a, a, a turning point in the game. 
You know, Dallas missed three field goals. Then maybe that's it. You know, the, the story of the game was Dallas didn't move the football up and down the field, but they got inside basically the red zone and, and the offense stalled. And uh, Zerline came in, he missed three field goals, now two from 50-plus yards, but you got to hit some of those. And he missed all three, and, and that really maybe if, if there was a, a difference in the game, that was it. Um, I did find it interesting. It just goes to show how clueless some of these head coaches are. Uh, Dallas is trailing 20, or Baltimore is up, we'll, we'll say, 27-10. Five and a half minutes left. Looks like they intercepted the ball in the end zone. Close play. They ruled it out of bounds. No challenge by Baltimore. And Dallas scores a couple plays later. And they cut the lead to 27-17 with, again, four minutes left. They, they made a game of it. They kicked the onside kick. Uh, to their credit, they weren't dumb enough to kick off deep. They did. Uh, Baltimore recovered, and then they scored one more touchdown to put the finishing touches on a 17-point win. But, you know, my thing, my only note was, why wouldn't you challenge there? You're up 17. There's five and a half minutes left. It's either an interception or an incompletion. It's not like it's going to be a complete pass or an incompletion. It's not that big a deal. No, you're talking about if you win the challenge, the game is over. Five and a half minutes left. You have the football up three scores. Game's over. You're not worried about saving a timeout. So if you're Baltimore and you're John Harbaugh, I, I, I don't get why you wouldn't challenge it. You want to tell me he couldn't see? Maybe not, but it was close enough where you throw the challenge at that point. You know, again, up three scores with five minutes left, and you have a chance to win the football game. I'm not going to wait for my guys upstairs to tell me if I should challenge it or not. Have some feel for the game itself as the head coach. So I thought that was a mistake. In the end, when you looked at the replay, it was real close. They they ruled it incomplete, so maybe they would have said there wasn't enough conclusive evidence to rule it an interception. But again, up three scores with uh, less than six minutes left, knowing if I win the challenge, the game is over, I, I throw the challenge there. But that's why these coaches, they don't like – they don't think, you know, they, they don't go outside the box just a little, little bit. It's amazing. Now, the Ravens played the football game without Des Bryant, which sounds weird to say in a Baltimore-Dallas game. And Des Bryant, you're not saying Dallas played the game without uh, Des. Yeah, Baltimore, remember, he's on Baltimore now. Turns out he tested positive for COVID-19 30 minutes before the game, which is kind of weird. Of course, he's got to tweet out, you know, why are they pulling me from warm-ups? This is so goofy. And the crazy thing is I had the same damn routine. This is blank. Uh, doesn't make sense to me. Or in his words, do not make sense to me. Nice English. But anyway, it's Twitter. We all make mistakes. So my question is, you know, how was he able to get on the field and be in warm-ups, be with teammates, and then find out, okay, he's got the COVID, but then not have the league step in and cancel the game. Well, why would they do that? It's one person. Well, because he's got to expose all the other players, right? I mean, last time I checked, he dresses in the same locker room as all his other teammates, right? Last time I checked, he's standing on the sidelines with all his other teammates. Last time I checked, he's standing next to his teammates during warmups, right? I mean, I don't know how you take one guy away from the equation say he's got the COVID-19, yet nobody else does? He hasn't exposed himself to nobody on that football team? Here's what the NFL sent out to its uh, puppies. He had a test yesterday morning, came back inconclusive. Well, what does that mean, first off? It's either he failed or he didn't. There's no middle ground in a test. 
You know, it's not like you're going to get an A or a, a, a fail and you got a C here. It either comes back you have it or it comes back you don't. If, if it comes back that you can't figure it out, then that means you didn't have it. You didn't pass the test, i.e. fail the test, right? So anyway, he takes the test yesterday morning, as I suppose all players do, comes back inconclusive, all right? So then he's got to take the test again. The next test comes back Tuesday night. Now, the mopes that I got the story from, you know, said, well, the lab is in Maryland, so the results came back Tuesday night. Like, that's an excuse. And I'm saying to myself, well, last time I checked, so is Baltimore. Last time I checked, it was the Baltimore home game. So the fact that the test was in Maryland should have no bearing on why it took so long. I would think the test would be able to – that was a positive that the test, the lab is in Maryland, right? If, if the game is in Topeka, Kansas, then I get it. But, you know, you should have gotten that test result back I would have thought earlier than Tuesday night. I don't know how long it takes. All I do know is when my daughter was going to college, she had her results in 15 minutes, literally. So I would have thought this is the NFL. This is a Tuesday night nationally televised game. This is a prominent player in that he's playing his former team, so there's going to be focus on Des. If the test result Tuesday morning comes back inconclusive, then aren't you right back at that lab Tuesday afternoon getting that test? And you're telling me the test is going to take, what, six hours, seven hours to get the results of? Doesn't make any sense. So uh, the test comes back again inconclusive as well, the second one. So they say, Brian, go ahead on the practice field, go get dressed, go in the locker room, don't worry about it, no big deal. So then he's given what they're calling it, which I never heard of, uh, a point of care test. That was positive. So Brian was pulled off the field because of this point of care test. I, I don't know what that, how that is different than the other tests. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't give them one of these point of care tests. You know, when the first test came back inconclusive, why would they go with another test? I didn't realize there were different kind of tests that you could take. Um, but this one came back negative, so he was pulled off the field. But again, it goes back to if he has the virus, he's in the locker room, you know, and they came out with this ruling that says it is the first time I've heard of this. High risk contacts are defined as prolonged exposure, such as someone being within six feet of someone for more than 15 minutes. Now, again, that's the first I've heard of those rules, but OK. You tell me he wasn't in that locker room standing next to somebody within six feet. You're telling me that Des Bryant's locker has nobody six feet to those left and no one six feet to his right? I know these NFL locker rooms are big, but something tells me that uh, every player does not have, uh, you know, basically 12 feet all by himself. I mean, you know, you have 70 players on a team here that are getting dressed. I mean, I, I don't think that's possible. I got a funny feeling that somebody was within six feet of Des Bryant. Now, you want to say for more than 15 minutes? You know what? Uh, knowing locker rooms, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure, <clears throat> you know, Dez is there kind of hanging around, doing his thing, jibber-jabbering with all his teammates. And, you know, they're asking him, no doubt, how's he going to feel playing, you know, Dallas and this and that. I, I'm willing to bet that, yes, he was within uh, someone within six feet for more than 15 minutes, you know. But what would they have done? See, this goes back to the question about the Super Bowl, you know. What happens during the Super Bowl? It's Super Bowl Sunday morning, 
and you know you have Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and uh, you know uh, uh, Jason and, and uh, Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey, all coming down with the virus. What are they going to do? Are they going to kick those guys off the team? Really? I got to see it to believe it. Same thing here. You know, nationally televised game, prominent game. They got a player that comes down with the virus. You're going to sit there with a straight face and tell me he wasn't standing within six feet of somebody, either in the locker room or outdoors, you know, and, and for not more than 15 minutes. I don't believe it. I, I, I just don't believe it. Sorry. So I I think that, the, you know, they're going to do whatever it takes to play these football games. That, that's what I think happened last night. Because I don't buy the story. I really don't. All right, Bengals and Bad Beats, college football scene coming up next right here on the Wednesday SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On this uh, Wednesday morning, breaking down the NFL from yesterday. I'll get to the college football scene here. And uh, what a wacky uh, night it was in college basketball. Good night. You know, it got overshadowed because they're the NFL. But, um, you know, college basketball, you know, maybe kind of had its coming out party last night with some of the games. I'll, I'll give them credit. You know, college football is falling apart at the scenes. But college basketball so far is doing a halfway decent job. There's been a number of games that have been canceled, but there are so, so many games. That, uh, you know, you kind of expect that. And you're not you know, held under the guise of, well, we got to play five, we got to play six, we got to play seven. There there may come to a point, as we mentioned yesterday, at the end of the season, when you're going to get a team that's 10 and five, and you're going to have to compare them to a team that's 20 and 10. Uh, but for now, you're getting a couple of halfway decent games. But back to the, uh, the, the Cowgirls for a second. They're not out of it, but they... they're pretty damn close. All right, now they're two games back with four to play. Here's the good news. Good news is they hold a tiebreaker against the Giants, and they play the Giants one time. So really, theoretically, they're one game back with three to play. All they need to do is make up one game out of the next three and then head into, the, head into that Giants game to close out the regular season, knowing if they win, then uh, they would hold the tiebreaker because they would have beat the Giants twice. So it, they're really only one game out uh, before they control their own destiny. That's the good news. And you can still get them at 16-1 to 1 on FanDuel. The bad news, though, is that they don't hold the tiebreaker against Washington, which means they're really three games out with four to play. Uh, two in the standings, but again, since Washington, which beat them for a second time on Thanksgiving night, would hold the tiebreaker if they finished in a tie, then you know they need to really make up three games. That's the problem. Can they do it? Listen, let's start with Dallas's schedule. Uh, you can't say anything is an automatic than this Cowboy team, right? It, it's not a good football team. It isn't. And to think that even if they're playing inferior competition, they're all of a sudden going to turn around and start winning. Um, you know, we, we had got false hope, I suppose, with that win against Minnesota. But other than that, they really don't have a whole hell of a lot to hang their hat on. So should they win at Cincinnati next week? Yeah, but Sam Fran at home? Yeah, but. And then the Eagles at home. Yeah, but you never know. 
but it's on paper that they could go 3-0, and right? And then headed to the Giants game. But you still need Washington to lose three times. At San Fran. All right, they could lose that because San Fran this week might think it's still in it. Another loss by the Niners, and then they're probably cooked, and then they'll give up hope. But for now, they're not giving up hope, so they could lose that one. Seattle at home certainly could lose that one. Carolina, that that could be the key. And there's an extra caveat in that, in that Washington's current head coach, obviously Ron Rivera, used to coach at Carolina. Would Carolina lay down and you know, give one to the Gipper from the opposing team? I, I kind of doubt it. You know, Bridgewater wasn't at Carolina, so, you know, and they have obviously a new head coach, but just throwing that little caveat in there of him facing his former club, um, th- that would might that one might be a tough one for them to lose. Uh, and then they play at Philadelphia. Uh, rivalry game, who knows what's going to go on with the Eagles at, at that point. Hell, maybe the Eagles are in it at that point. I kind of doubt it, but you never know. But they would have to lose three of those four. They probably have one absolute loss in Seattle. And you're going to have to find a way to lose two of the other three with Dallas running the table. So if there's a three-way tie between the Redskins, Giants, and Cowboys, you'd have to figure out the division records. And that's, you know, there's too many division games still left on the plate. Uh, But that might help Dallas's situation if you could eliminate Washington first and then go back to the Giants. So there is, you know, it's not great, but if if you're a Cowboy fan and you're hell-bent on winning this division because you think you can make hay in the postseason versus getting a top five, I mean, literally, you're looking at a top five pick. It goes back to one of the questions we posed a couple of weeks ago. If you're a Cowboy or Giant or Eagles or Redskins fan, and I told you categorically, without a shadow of a doubt, you would have a top five pick in the NFL if you don't make the playoffs. Again, remember, you make the playoffs when it comes draft order. You don't get seeded by your record. You get seeded as one of the worst playoff teams, and it starts from there. And this year, you have, you know, it helps a little bit. And this year, you have uh, two extra playoff teams, but you're drafting around 15th versus drafting around, you know, third or fourth. What do you want to do? You want to draft third, fourth, or fifth? Or do you want to make the playoffs more than likely get knocked out in the first round and then have to draft, you know, 16th or 17th it would be, you know? Um, you know, it, it really is a dilemma that, you know, you start thinking about it, you automatically say playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. You know what? I'm, I'm going to be a home team. But then you start to analyze it and you're thinking, even if you won that first game, you're not winning. You know, you, you know, come on, you got four wins. You got you're three wins now. Uh, you, you'd have to have at least five. But, you know, you're not going anywhere in the postseason. And right now, if the, you know, season ended, Dallas with three wins would have the number, depending on tiebreakers, fourth overall pick. And tiebreakers, you'd have to figure out strength of schedule. Jets would be one with no wins, Jags two with one win, Bungles three with two wins. And then you got the Chargers and the uh, Cowgirls with three wins with uh, nine losses, whereas Philadelphia has three wins with eight losses, which is a little bit better. So they would be a little bit higher. So depending on the head-to-head tiebreaker with the Chargers, you're looking at the fourth overall pick. You know, And, and worst case scenario, if you lose that uh, tiebreaker, you're still looking at a top five pick. That's that's tough to turn down. Again, it's not just for round number one. You know, that's top five pick versus 17th in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth overall, you know, through seven rounds. That's big. 
I don't I don't know if I necessarily want to give that up when I'm in need of a quarterback when I could possibly get out of that quarterback situation that I'm in right now. So very interesting for Dallas, but they're not out of it. They, they, they aren't. Um, college football, they came out with the rankings yesterday. No surprise, Alabama's one, Notre Dame stays two, Clemson stays three, and Ohio State stays four. No reason to think that was going to change as all four came up victorious um, and relatively easily, right? even in Ohio State, which knocked off Michigan State. Texas A&M is five, Florida is six. Now, they moved up Iowa State to number uh, seven. They want to give you some drama. It, it really is sad to think college football in the year 2020, when we have national championships and Heisman Trophy Award winners and all the publicity that we have, whether it's the internet, you know, social media, different outlets, TV, iPods, iPhones, eyeballs, you know, name it, it, it's out there, right? There, there's a zillion ways to get publicity. Yet it is sad that college football still continues to live in the dark ages where they think the only way they can get some publicity is with controversy. That's the only way. They want to create drama. And how'd they do that this week? By putting Iowa State number seven. Throwing the caveat out there that maybe, just maybe, the Big 12 championship game winner will have a shot to get to the Final Four. It doesn't. All right, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't. All it does is put a little another knock on, on Cincinnati's resume. Iowa State, let's go start with, with uh, the uh, uh, Cyclones, right? Let's just say they knock off Oklahoma. They're not getting in the Final Four. They, they have two losses. One of the losses was to Louisiana Lafayette by double digits at home. Now, that Lafayette team and the Sun Belt's actually pretty good. But you know what? Ranking-wise, the selection committee doesn't think so because they have Lafayette you know, ranked 19th. All right, so they're not giving uh, Louisiana Lafayette any credit for being a good football team. So Iowa State has lost to Louisiana Lafayette by double digits at home, no less, and Oklahoma State, which has come back way to the pack. Let's say Oklahoma wins. Well, they would have lost two games as well, including to Kansas State and State at home and Iowa State. They're not getting in with two losses. You look at the rest of their resume, the Big 12's not that good this year to think that they have four or five other really quality wins. Neither team does. So there's no way in the world Iowa State or Oklahoma, depending on who wins, is getting in. But if you put those teams high enough, as they did with Iowa State, then the, the, the debate will begin, and then you get some controversy and some drama and some hope, when in reality, it's not happening. It's not happening. I've told you this, and I'll continue to tell you this. It's five teams for four pegs. It's as simple as that. They, they, they could throw everything else out there, but here's the bottom line. Alabama is in regardless of what happens in the SEC title game, lest they lose by 50 to Arkansas this week and 50 in the title game. Florida beats Alabama in the SEC title game. They get in. Alabama's in. Ohio State's in, and the ACC champ will get in. Florida loses to Alabama in the SEC title game. That's a limit. That's eliminating the Gators because they'll have two losses. No matter how close the game is, they'll have two losses. It's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson. No matter who wins the ACC title game. If, if Notre Dame wins, Clemson will yell and scream, hey, listen, we, we went toe-to-toe against the number two team in the country twice. You know, we lost to them one time in overtime with a backup quarterback. We may have lost to them again, but we got Trevor Lawrence. 
They're the number two team. There's no shame in that, blah, 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 blah. If, if Notre Dame loses, then Notre Dame could say, hey, listen, we split with the, the great the Clemson Tigers football team. Yeah, we may have beat them one time with their backup quarterback, but he you know, put 30-plus points on the board. They didn't lose because he stunk. They lost because their defense stunk, and we riddled them on offense. So we deserve to get in. So it, they'll get in that way. you know. So that's it. Those are the only two scenarios, the only two. Florida beats Alabama in the title game. They get in. Bama gets in. Ohio State and the ACC champ gets in. Florida loses to Bama in the SEC title game. Then it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson. And Iowa State and all the others, they can yell, they can scream, they can think they have a shot, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it's, uh, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, whether it's Coastal Carolina. You know, maybe, just maybe, I would tell you Northwestern. But if they were to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, but they're only 14. That loss to Michigan State really killed them. And they don't like the Big Ten. They don't. Think about this. They have Indiana at 6-1, and 12th. They have Northwestern at 5-1, and 14th. And they have Iowa at 5-2, and 16th. They have three teams, Oklahoma, Georgia, Iowa State, with more losses than Indiana and Northwestern, but all three are ranked higher than those teams. That's a lot. You can have one team. You know, maybe you can have two teams. But they got three teams with more losses ranked higher than the Big Ten teams, which means they don't respect the Big Ten at all. So even if Northwestern were to win against uh, Ohio State in the title game, they're not getting in. And that's it. You got five teams. And, and really, they all control their own destiny. And ultimately, it's up to Florida. Florida beats Alabama. Their postseason continues. Florida loses to Alabama. Their postseason is over. That's it. So all this drama, all this headache, all let's put Iowa State number seven. Let's pretend they have a shot. There's no freaking way in the world. No way in the world could they ever get away with putting a two-loss Iowa State team over an undefeated uh, uh, Ohio State team. No way. Especially knowing that the selection committee chairperson is an AD from the Big Ten. And he would never be able to go back to his job alive <laughs> knowing that he cost the conference and those teams all that money by not getting a team into the Final Four. So... It's fake news. Thank you very much, Donald Trump. Uh, that, that's what it is. They create drama because they want controversy, but in the end, everything is safe. It is. that means. Close that hour, number one, next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on this uh, Wednesday morning. Why don't we squeeze in a phone call before we get to the top of the hour. Update Louie, our good buddy in Augusta, playing some golf, no doubt, later on today. What's up, Louie? What's going on, my friend? Hey, Scott. Good, good morning. I don't know if you caught this last night, but this two dopes, you could, first you had in the pregame, you had Jimmy Johnson, and then in the postgame, you had Howie Long saying the same nonsense. They said that the Dallas Cowboys should sign Dak Prescott to a long-term contract. And the same sentence, they said they should draft a franchise quarterback. And nobody, like, says anything. Like, are they serious what they're talking about? 
It's just absolutely insane. Did, did you catch us at clock? No, I did. I missed the pregame show. Yes, I was uh, doing some stuff. My wife uh, was screwing around with my computer where I usually watch the games in my office. Yeah, I, and no one challenged him on it, Louie. No one said, well, why would you be paying Dak all this kind of money and then draft a quarterback? We were seeing how that's the debacle in, in Philadelphia. No one challenged him on it. It just goes to show how they don't listen to what they really say. Nobody challenged him. It was Jimmy Johnson in the pregame and Howie Long on the postgame with a straight face. Unbelievable. That's funny. I'll have to try and track that down. That is, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, that would make no sense. Again, that's what Philadelphia's done. And then look what's happened with Philadelphia. Why would you piss away a draft choice if you're going to give Dak Prescott, you know, a five-year, literally $200 million contract, right? I mean, that, that's idiotic. So, wow. Good job. Absolutely insane. That. All right. Thank Bye, you. Man. I'll talk to you later in the podcast, one of our podcast subscribers. Yeah, that, that, that's, you know, you, you can't, how could you possibly say that, right? I mean, you're going to give a guy literally $200 million and then you're going to turn around and use a, a first or second round draft choice on a quarterback. And, you know, again, Philadelphia did that. So it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility, but it's for them to say that and for no one to challenge them on it, that, you know, goes to show they don't really listen to what they're saying. There the podcast. All right, hour number two coming up. Vegas the Bad Beats on this Wednesday morning. <laughs> Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.